Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, coaches. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. I'm the head varsity girls basketball coach at Lake Oconee Academy. I want to introduce you to Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to episode number 24. Today we have Coach John Beck. Coach John Beck played four years of Division I college basketball at Arkansas State. He went on to become a graduate assistant coach and get his master's degree at Arkansas State. He has coached AAU, youth, middle, and high school boys and girls basketball. He's been trained through Nike Skills and Pure Sweat basketball clinics. He has worked Nike Elite Camps and completed a summer internship in Los Angeles, California for Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, where he worked with several NBA players. He now offers individual, small group, and team training, as well as skills academies and team clinics to players as a skills coach for Pure Sweat Basketball. Throughout his career, his focus has been on total player development and skills coaching. He continually works to improve his craft as a coach while developing great relationships with coaches and players. Coaches, I'm just so excited to have Coach John Beck here uh, for this interview. Um, he's a highly trained basketball trainer, and f- for the simple reason, he has worked under the great Drew Hanlon, uh, who works with many great NBA players. Uh, I'm going to really pick his brain on many questions that have to do with skill development and um, trying to kind of see what are the best techniques that I can use and we can use as coaches to teach our players to become more skilled players. Um, you're going to really enjoy this, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, speaking with him. So, coaches, let's welcome Coach John Beck. Hey, John. Hey, Coach. How you doing? Ooh, man, I'm doing great, man. Sorry about the, uh, the mishap there, though, but uh, I'm so excited to have you on. Man, I'm excited. I'm I'm really glad you reached out to me. Yeah, and and of course, uh, coaches, we got uh, John Beck here. He's a uh, basketball trainer from Pure Sweat and one of the best in the country. So we're so excited to have you on. Uh, I heard so much about you. I read a lot about you, and I appreciate you joining us. I'm so happy to be here, Coach. I hope I can add some value for your listeners today. I'm sure you will. Hey, John, tell me a little bit about yourself and um, – also, you know, how did you get involved into, first of all, coaching and then uh, kind of developing your personal training uh, program? Well, I was actually uh, was close to being an Army brat. I was, I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, which all my players and friends think is really cool. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I actually was fortunate enough to go back and play there in college. We played at the Hawaii University of Hawaii Rainbow Classic. Um, we got to play against some great teams, but – um, luckily for me, I guess my, my dad, uh, decided to get out of the army and stop from moving all over the country and everywhere, all over the world. And so, uh, we moved back by close, close to when I was four years old. And, um, my mother is from a small town in Southeast Missouri. And so we, uh, moved back there. My dad actually became the 
chief of police of my small town growing up and my grandparents lived um, close, you know, probably about 30 minutes away. They were both teachers, uh, both coaches. My grandmother was a, is a Missouri high school volleyball coaching legend. And so I just kind of grew up in the gym, you know, um, jumping rope and being an athlete basically and played every different sport. I was fortunate enough to have, you know, great parents who supported everything I did. And we played every, you know, I, I grew up playing everything. I was a competitive swimmer and played football, baseball, um, never even played basketball until the sixth grade, believe it or not. I didn't even know what it was. My dad was a football and he was a football guy and a, and a diving guy. And so never knew what basketball was, but ultimately I ended up falling in love with that and, um, you know, got all the way to college, but, um, that's kind of that's kind of my roots and where I grew up. Yeah, was there anybody in particular? I have, I, I, I mean, my my dad. I had an uncle that was a basketball coach when I was really young, and I had a chance to uh, spend some time with him. And that's where I got the bug of coaching. I just saw how much he loved it. How did? Is, was there anybody that kind of stood out to you that really kind of had an impact on you? Yeah, there was. Um, that's a great question. Obviously, my grandmother, seeing the impact she had, and she was, I mean, she's my grandmother. She's like the classic grandmother. You know, she's tough and stern and, um, you know, wasn't afraid to pull out the switch. But seeing the relationship she built with her players, you know, seeing the girls gravitate towards her, even at a young age, you know, 9, 10, you could see that. You could see those things. And, um, you know, in my small town, it was actually just the environment. Um, you know, they had a good – the basketball program was bad. A new coach came in and kind of changed things, changed the culture. And so players started becoming better. And then when you're a young kid, you know, I had so many mentors growing up, but they were mostly always older athletes, you know, in my hometown and especially basketball players, just because it became a fun time, an exciting time in town. And that was the thing to do on Tuesday and Friday nights was just to go watch good high school basketball games. Um, the, the Southeast Missouri area is, is actually called the hotbed in Missouri. There's more state championships won in Southeast Missouri than, than any other part of the state. And so it's a good basketball area. And um, that was just something that any one person, obviously my grandmother and then my sixth grade basketball coach, Mr. Taylor, he was actually an art teacher. And um, he's the first guy that came to me and said, hey, you're a tall kid. You know, you're athletic. You should play basketball. And, um, you know, looking back, he was so funny. He made everything so, like, light and always cracked jokes. I mean, I think he's the king of one-liners to this day. And, um, you know, I, I think just, just having that being fun environment and cracking jokes and keeping it light and just – letting us have fun. That's ultimately, you know, what I ended up just falling in love with. And, I, and it's probably because, you know, looking back because of those influences. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that. Uh, I still remember my sixth grade PE teacher. Isn't that weird? Um, and I can't remember any of my other teachers. <laughs> You're exactly right. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think you gravitate towards coaches more than teachers. Now I do. There are some great teachers I've had. But, no, I remember my elementary PE teacher, Mrs. Nancy Caldwell. I mean, like, I mean, I can remember, you know, to this day, I mean, I can remember all the games we played and gymnastics and the, the things now, they're, they're not even legal that you would never be able to do in a, in right. a gymnasium in any part of the country. But that we did, you know, we used to turn the lights off and literally everybody in the in the gym had like a joust. It was like a Halloween, you know, ghosts and goblins game. 
and you were right. just running blind in the dark and just basically, um, you know, getting hit from all angles with a different jousting. <laughs> Coach, hang on one second here. Hang on. One yeah. Second. Yes. Sorry about that. I got, no problem. I got these guys that come to my apartment and they spray for spiders. They come every October. They just happen to, to come there. But anyways, <laughs> go ahead, Coach. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem at all. Hey, I want to get into your training. Um, and and I, I speak to a lot of coaches. And I, I, I'm, I do this podcast because I, I love picking the brain of guys like you. And I'm always adding things to my playbook and my, my stuff that I'm doing here. So I'm actually a cheater, I guess, because I'm adding stuff, listening to all you guys. Um, you are a relentless worker. Absolutely. I can just tell by talking about you. I think you um, – I can just tell not even meeting you, you're, you're an unbelievable worker. Where did you get this self-discipline and desire and work ethic in your career right now? Where did you get that from? Well, ultimately, my grandparents and parents. I mean, I think – you know, I have an unusual, unusual story growing up. You know, we were definitely the lower middle class and didn't have a lot of money. My mom actually decided to go back uh, to college when she was, you know, 36, 37 years old. Um, just because she had a degree that she can never really do anything with. And um, believe it or not, when I was in, this is crazy when I tell people this. I don't tell a lot of people, but if, if the people that get to know me well, and obviously my best friends growing up know, but. My mom decided to go back to school to the University of St. Louis when I was in eighth grade. And so my dad actually moved with her. Uh, he had a job opportunity in St. Louis, which is about two hours from where I grew up. And my brother moved with my grandparents about 30 minutes away. But I just at that time, I was a mature kid. And like you said, I was just falling in love with doing the right things on and off the floor and becoming. So I lived by myself completely in my, my eighth and ninth grade year. And it's crazy because I worked with eighth and ninth graders and I'm like, wow, I was literally raising myself for those two years. And my mom and dad would come back, you know, every once in a while, weekends, uh, you know, help me do the dishes and some, some of the stuff I didn't like to do. But my grandparents would pop in from time to time. But I relied on my friends. Ultimately, um, you know, I had a few close friends that would come and stay with me. But my eighth and ninth grade year, I lived by myself. And so, you know, that's a, that's an unusual thing for a kid. Um, I think just, again, the small town environment, not being entitled, you know, my dad was a strict disciplinarian being the chief of police. I couldn't, you know, I, I had eyes on me at all times. I mean, they, they couldn't wait for, for me to mess up. And so just, uh, just a work ethic. I think that was built from the culture, you know, my, my parents, you know, not allowing me to ever feel entitled. You have to earn everything you get, you know, people are watching out for you. So you have to be on your best behavior at all times. You have to have high character, um, you know, those are the kind of things I think that really, you know, and obviously, like you just talked about a second ago, your coaches at a young age, your teachers, I think that's the fun thing is, you know, that it's all environment. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it, it whether it's parenting or the culture, the town, or you didn't get anywhere, you know, nothing, nobody does anything great alone. And you didn't just get somewhere, you know, obviously the hard work helps, but man, it's just, it's so many people around you that help you and that invest in your life that end up making you ultimately, you know, who you can become. And if you don't have that type of support, obviously it's a lot tougher. Not saying there's a lot of kids that don't have that support and they have right. to rely on it, but man, that makes it a lot easier, you know, in the world. 
Yeah, that's why it's so important about what about you and I do. We can have an impact on all the kids that we're working with, don't we? I mean, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing sometimes. Um, and, John- and I've totally shifted my just in the last few years. I've totally shifted my you know to to the skill development aspect, which is what I've always loved. To just the total athlete development, you know, their nutrition needs, their their exercise needs, their sleep needs, their you know being able just to pick the right type of circle, pick the right type of mentors, you know, to be around because it's your future, you know, and that, and man, helping get scholarships and, and getting wins and all that stuff. That's just, that pales in comparison to, you know, making a strong impact. I mean, I had a kid yesterday that I've coached for years and he's actually became a high school basketball coach and he calls me and he says, coach, I'm, I'm just not very good. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm 23 years old and I, you know, I think I want to cope, but man, I just, I don't know what plays to run. I don't know, you know, and <laughs> yeah. that's, that's way more impactful than if he got a scholarship or not, which that kid did get a scholarship and played and, and got a degree. But even if he wouldn't have, those are the kind of things that make, like you just said, coaching so great is just those relationships. I know it sounds cliche. I know everybody talks about relationships. I'm not talking about the fake stuff. I'm talking about whether basketball season's over or not, that energy, that juice, whether their career's over or not, that energy, that juice, that relationship you've built, it never stops. It doesn't matter if they're 50 or if they're 15. It's just you're, they always know that you're going to be there. And that's that's ultimately what I try to think about is just I think about everything, and I've kind of learned this from Drew Hamlin, but I, I reverse engineer everything, and I always think about the ending in mind. And, and that's just so impactful when it comes to relationships. Think about are these kids going to know, you know, 20 years from now that – hey, they can call you, you're going to help them, you're going to be there for them, you know, through thick and thin. And not just when it's going good, you know, in, in the yeah. tough times these kids have in life and growing up and be, becoming adults, that's when they really need you the most. Yeah, and basketball is really kind of a small part of it. I mean, that's one thing that you're working with. Um, I just had a kid the other day, uh, graduated last year, and uh, she wanted a recommendation and so forth from me. And, and um you know, it was funny just for her to call me for a recommendation. She says, coach, you're the only person I thought of about this. And that, that kind of got to me. Um, and that, that knows that you had a positive impact on her and um, we're doing the right things. Hey, let's talk workouts because I want to pick your brain. Cause I see so much. I've been coaching from 29 years and I see a lot of trainers and coaches doing individual workouts. Tell me about your philosophy on setting up a workout. Um, and I, I want to give, I want to get some feedback from you on how I do things, but um, I see too many coaches and trainers talking too much during workouts. And that is I allow my players, I ask them a lot of questions. I want them to respond. I want them to kind of create their own workout environment. Uh, I'm just a facilitator. I don't know why I've always believed in that. What's your philosophy on how you do your workouts? Hang on one second again, Coach. They thought your podcast was going to last five minutes, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so exactly. so obviously, obviously, first off, and you being a high school coach, and I'm sure, do you do you coach at a smaller school or a bigger school? A small school. It's a charter school. 
uh, K-12. So I have yeah. access to every kid from K all the way to senior. Yeah, so obviously the first thing, you know, would, would determine on, you know, what age the player is. Uh, right. when, it comes to, when it comes to working out, you know, making works, workouts, um, I, I kind of go with that two minutes, two weeks, two months, you know, to developing a skill. So depending on what type of skill. Now, if you're just talking about blanket, you know, workouts, um, you know, then you got your skill development, maybe a younger kid, maybe like the introductory or foundational level. Then you're right. just talking about basic fundamental skills. Um, if you're talking about a high school player, a kid that has, you know, college potential or really works hard at it, he's sacrificing, you know, he or she is sacrificing parties and hanging out with friends to, to actually get better and they have, a you know, a future in the game, then my workouts are, you know, and it's very strategic. And, I, and again, man, I, I can't take – you know, responsibility because Drew, I've learned from Drew Hanlon, you know, arguably the best skills trainer in the world, just watching Jason Tatum last night. Wow. You know, but, um, but we, you know, first thing is we're going to walk through it. The second thing is we're going to watch film of it. Um, We're going to explain that, that way they see the when, you know, the why, the how of whatever skill we're trying to develop. And then we're going to teach it. And when I mean teach it, I mean teach the deep, you know, the micro skills, not just the just the basic skill. You know, hey, we're doing this, you know, the micro skills. And when I say micro skills, I'm talking about, you know, the pace, the angles, uh, the reads, basically, uh, you know, the progressive options. And then ultimately the decision making element, which is the most important, which is, you know, so far under drilled. But I make it very simple. You know, I really break everything down into yes or no questions. And when you can simplify, like you just said, instead of talking so much, I just literally say, hey, this is the first read, and it's yes or no. Do your feet, do your hips get past this defender's hips, yes or no? If they do, then this is what you do. If they don't, then we got to go to option two. It's And then, again, option two is yes or no. And I just – when I see Drew Hanlon work with the best players in the world and do it just like that, man, I can, t- I can teach it to a high school kid, a junior high kid, you know? Right. And so, um, and then obviously after you walk through it, you know, you watch some film of it, you teach it, then it's, Hey, let's go one on O, you know, you got air. It's just you. And let's just, let's just see if we can get the feel of it. Let's just see if we can get what it looks like, you know? And, and once they feel it, then we're good. We move on. And then we go to, you know, some dummy defense. You know, I may be guarding them or we may have another, you know, I may have an assistant helping me out or another kid that's maybe not as skilled, you know, dummy defense. And then we go to live versus the real defender. And then ultimately we would go, you know, progressive live into multiple defenders where there's going to be a read, a decision-making element. You know, do I pass? Do I finish? Do I, you know, make this pass? Do I kick out to a drift or a lift or, or whatever? Um, so that, that's as far, and I don't know if that answered your question, but that's how we go into this basic teaching of a skill. So, you know, I don't know if that's what you were wanting to know, but, um, that's how I do it. And and I, you know, and again, I learned from Drew, but we break things into, you know, skills, micro skills, drills, and then clown drills. (laughs) And then clown drills are the ones that, you know, you've probably seen, you know, being made fun on Instagram and, and Twitter and some of these trainers around the country that are doing things that are just, you know, by definition, clown drills, just totally non-purposeful. They're never going to translate to gameplay. And you got to get those clown drills, you know, completely out. 
Yeah, and you see those a lot. I see those a lot by really good coaches. Matter of fact, it's kind of scary. Um, yes. Now that's that's another thing I want to hit on too is, and, and I love Mike Neighbors. I'm so fortunate to have Mike, you know, right here in town where I live, um, University of Arkansas women's basketball coach. Yes. And he's just so big on everything purposeful, taking away the the clown drills. Um, but he's also talks about the curse of the clinic. And there are so many coaches, and I, I remember the first time he said it to me, I said, the curse of the clinic. Wow, because I was, I was a victim. I mean, when I was a younger coach, I would go to a clinic, I would see something, and I'd say, oh, I got to do that. That's, that's incredible. Right. You know, and it's the same thing. It's the curse of the clown drill. We see it, it's sexy, it sells, and we say, we got to do that. And it's non-purposeful. And it's the same way. Don't think that on the curse of the clinic that – because that's an NBA coach, that that's, that's a really great drill. I've been to several, several, several NBA practices, and I've seen stuff that's I would never do. It's ridiculous. And I've been to a sixth-grade girls' practice where I think this coach is like an NBA. He should be coaching in the NBA. I mean, it's you can pick up great stuff, and that's the same thing Drew has, has spoken about at several of his clinics is there are really good coaches around the world that you'll never know their names. Sure. Because they're just by by trade, they're not the beat on your chest type type guys or women that, you know, look at me. They just quietly every day bring it and they have great stuff and it's great purpose. Going back to that, don't be a coach who you see a a division, you know, you see Duke and I'm not I love Duke. You see Kentucky, you see them do it and you think that's perfect. I gotta do that with my team. I gotta do that with my girls. You always have to ask, who are you coaching? And is it purposeful, you know? And when it comes to workouts and practices, maximize your time. Keep the ball. And, you know, I I hate going to practices and I see so many kids just standing around and when they can have a ball in their hands working on skill and and getting a lot better. So, anyways, I hope that answers your question. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, It's funny. I like how you said the curse of the clinic because I go to clinics all the time and I, I see stuff and I go, I love it, but you know, sometimes can I can I add it to my system? Um, and sometimes I probably have too much. I'm trying to simplify. I'm always trying to get better. I'm trying to simplify my system because I think sometimes I do too much. But uh, enough of that. Um, tell me about footwork. Um, the great story I think Drew mentioned about Kobe Bryant um, doing a 45 minute basic footwork drill. I think it was. I think is one story he mentioned. Um, tell us about the neglect of footwork and tell us about what you do to develop the, uh, your players' feet. Well, that's a great question. Um, a lot of the coaches that reach out to me, and it's funny that you say that, they always talk, you know, I always say, hey, write out a list of the things that your team just, that, that actually hurts your game. You know, when you watch film, why are you turning the ball over? You know, why are you not getting creating, you know, advantages, opportunities in transition? Why are you not? And basically every coach that I work with says we travel too much. We walk footwork is bad. And it go and it all comes back to like you just said it it comes back to ultimately footwork. And so there are so many different and, and you know, coaches want to say, "Hey, you got to do it this way." Or I love the hop, you know, and I love the one, two, and I love this. And 
everybody has their own philosophy. And what I tell them is, you know, at the highest levels, you have to have every type of footwork because the game, the game is not a perfect game. It's, it's a messy game. And when you do things in games, you're going to have to have every different type of footwork, you know, and it's, you know, Ray Allen's, uh, he comes over his, you know, right shoulder. He's a one, two guy. I'm sorry, he comes over his left shoulder, he's a one-two guy. He comes over his right shoulder, you know, he's a hop guy. If you watch the shot that he, you know, when he was with the Heat, then ended up winning the NBA championship, he was actually backpedaling. I mean, you can't just stick with this is the this is the footwork you have to use every time. You ultimately just have to get your players comfortable with different scenarios and get them, you know, really good with all different types of footwork, ultimately. When it comes down to just helping, like, high school kids with traveling, um, I love obviously the permanent pivot foot. The more you can be on your permanent pivot foot, the better. Um, but I also like, you know, in the catch off the catch to catch on what we call in the kind of the NBA is now calling a plyometric step or a split step. I call it a pop step or Kevin Durant. You know, I always like to use words that kids, Hey, you know, Kevin Durant. Oh yeah. Listen to what yeah. Kevin Durant does. He catches it on this split step. And so basically it's just a low wide, you know, hip width, maybe a little bit wider um, step that allows you, let's just say that you're on the right wing and you're going to make a one dribble pull up. Well, if you were to go right without traveling, if you were to go right and sweep it, you would actually, to do a one dribble pull up, you'd have to take three steps. You would have to dribble right and take a right and then a left right. Or you would have to go into a hop. You know, if you're more comfortable that way. Sure. Which, by the way, I think in all the different studies, I think the one, two is maybe one percent better than the hop. So, again, I don't tell players you have to do it one way or the other of all those different, you know, samples. If, a, if it's one percent better, that's not enough to say you got to do it this way. It comes down to comfort player, of the, uh, you know, the comfort level of the player. But, for instance, on that Kevin Durant, if I was to go right, left, right, Kevin Durant can actually cross step. If he catches it on that pop step, he could actually cross step and take the same thing, get the same amount of distance in just two steps. And at the highest levels, taking one X, one less step is the difference in you getting off a clean shot and getting it heavily contested or blocked. And so just those little teaching points. And again, that goes back to the micro skills. Um, and, and the good thing is too, when you catch on that low wide split step, you can fake, you can shimmy, you can fake, you know, with your shoulders both ways, you can cross step the other way, you know, and so just gives kids more options. And ultimately, you teach them, you know, your the ball and the dribble and your foot hit at the exact same time. And it just helps out so many times with charges. I think ultimately, that's the best thing that I teach players when it comes to footwork. So many high school coaches have said, coach, you don't understand we're we're never we never travel anymore. I mean, we very rarely – we're not walking. It's because of that, just catching on that low-wide split step. Um, it's going to help out a lot with footwork. Um, and then, obviously, you just have to get players in workouts really comfortable at whatever they do. If it's, a, if it's a hop, again, I don't change it. I just try to clean it up. I don't want it to be a big hop. I want it to be a low-wide, you know, quick, advantageous type hop, you know. And so, um Again, teaching those micro skills inside. That are you coming off low? Are your hands up showing the target? You know, all those different things. And, again, if I don't answer your questions, I'm a little ADHD, so you, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll I get love back that. To it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm writing the notes here. I love that. And I, I would love to see if you can send me some video of that KD sweat step. I, 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 it makes sense to me, but I want to show my players that too. That's kind of, and I want to see it in detail. Um, yeah, and, that, and you know what's great about that, Coach, is I've already got it ready because I had a Division One coach that reached out to me just a few days ago, and I've known him for a long time. But I hadn't spoken to him in a long time. He reaches out and he says, Coach, my 10-year-old son needs shooting, you know, and some footwork stuff. And what are you doing to teach? And so I sent him that, and he said, oh, my gosh, that is great. You know, I love that. And so I've already actually went in and clipped those videos out, so I should be able just to – go to his text and pull those up and send it right to you. But, um, but yeah, you know, again, um, you know, I, I've learned from the best, you know, and some of the stuff I, mean, I played division one college basketball and, and coached at that level as well. And the stuff I've learned from drew, you know, I'm thinking, man, I wish I would have known this when I played or man, I wish I would have known this when I coached in college, you know? And so I feel like a late bloomer when it comes to just those. And, again, I've always studied the game and loved it, but when it comes to the really deep, you know, micro skills teaching, all those little nuances, I call them. Yeah. Man, yeah that's, that's the good stuff. That's when players you really start to build because players ultimately when you work with them, they can – you have to, above all else, you got to know your stuff. If you don't know your stuff, you can lose that relation. You, you can lose them quick. And so when they know you know your stuff and you can get into the deep and then, like you said, ultimately the best thing is to simplify it, man, that's the good stuff. That's when it starts clicking and players start to get it and you see them working on it and you see it, you know, going into the in-game improvement, which is, you know, obviously the, the goal. Yeah, and you're always trying to get them better. I mean, I mean, I think sometimes as, as coaches um, – we stop adding little details like you were saying. I love those micro skills. I love that term. Uh, Coach, tell me about um, if I had a player. Of course, a lot of my players have flaws. They're young. But absolutely. Let's say a player has a flaw in his or her shot. A lot of the things that I see at our level is the offhand problem. We have kids, and I'm not talking about a young age because those kids are just learning, but they don't know how to use their offhand. And what I teach is with the offhand is I want fingers pointed straight up to the sky. I want them to hold. I really, I'm really detailed about that. I don't know why I'm detailed about the offhand, but I think it causes a lot of problems in the shot. Give me your feedback on that. Well, what you just said is, is you know, hitting the nail on the head. A lot of the things that I have to do in my job are fixing a lot of the mistakes. And so, you know, it's because a lot of, you know, bad habits have been developed or, or whatever, you know, from us, from a bigger ball to they've been shooting on a 10 foot rim when they were young or whatever. Um, but when it comes, yeah, I mean, the first thing I do when I meet with a player is number one premium is can they shoot? I mean, that's just automatic. Doesn't matter the age of the kid. It's does the ball come off their fingers correctly? That's the first thing I see is, hey, we're going to shoot some shots. And it's just they don't even know what I'm doing. All, all I'm doing is analyzing and seeing if the ball can actually come off their, you know, fingers correctly. Um, as far as, you know, and if and once we go to that, then we can decide, you know, we talk about the balance hand and all that and, you know, whatever. I don't like to call it the guide hand. I just call it the balance hand because I don't think it should, you know, guide the ball anywhere. Right. Um, but, yeah, you have to, you know, you have to find things. And even at the NBA level, you know, there have been guys that, literally for an hour straight workout you just work on shadow hand shooting where you have that hand 
on the side of the ball straight up to the ceiling and it's right next to the ball not touching it you know shadow hand shooting and so you just work on because for whatever reason that it may be in the front of the ball the top of the ball the side of the ball whatever um but yeah all those little things maybe it's the thumb in the shot you know so we pinch a quarter between you know our thumb and our finger or we take pre you know depending on what level you're at you take pre-wrap and tape it up or you have a a paper plate even taped to your hand I've seen coaches do um you know and if they don't have the money for the little you know shooting apparatus um, right but whatever you have to do to correct it you know and again I, I love what you said having that shadow hand shooting which is basically the the hand is straight up super vertical on the side of the ball without touching the ball just getting it where that's where it's going to be when you actually touch the ball, it's going to be on the side. It's going to be, you know, super vertical. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go one more question for you. Um, And then I want to get, hopefully we can meet again for part two. Can we do that? Oh, absolutely. Anytime you need to coach. That'd be great. Um, I'm a big believer. You probably know this coach guy named Chris Oliver from basketball Absolutely. And I love Chris and um, he teaches basketball decision training. And I started utilizing that this year. And it makes so much sense because I started to evaluate, are my, am I, am I teaching the game properly or am I just doing drills? And he calls it basketball decision training. He may, he, he wants his players learning how to make decisions on every drill that he does. A lot of times we do drills. It's just repetition, but there's no decision training going on. Give me your opinion about that. How you teach your skill development. Are these guys making decisions to help them in the game? Oh, absolutely. We're not going to do it unless it has a decision-making element, especially with, players that are advanced enough to do that so again we go back to that you know and I'm using the USA basketball you know youth development model but once you get past the introductory and the fundamental stages of teaching basic skills like you said just where it's all you know then you have to get into that decision making and I mean Drew has a book you know decision making book which is just you know a whole entire book of of pages of decision making drills and it can be, you know, one-on-one, two-on-two, two-on-one, three, you know, and everything I do when I work with, I do my academies and when I do team training is exactly what you said. It's you have to have decision-making element. We rep out the skills and we get that, but they get that stuff in practice. And so I want the decision-making element to be totally different than their high school practices. And for most, you know, most of the time it is. Uh, for whatever reason, just high school coaches don't spend a lot of time on the decision-making aspect. And that's, that's the most important thing. It's so funny because it's like, man, why did that, why do they do that? Why do that? Well, you never work on it. You never, they never have to make a decision in your practices, except when you scrimmage, which again, it's, it's a lot harder to make decisions five on five than it is to make them two on one or two on two or three on three. And so when you put them in those types of situations where it's again, progressive and it's yes or no, do I finish or do I pass? do I, you know, pull up and shoot this jump shot or do I go finish? You know, and again, you can do that one on oh. I mean, I can literally stand in front of a player. They can run at me full speed from half court with a speed dribble in the right hand. And I can say, hey, look, if my hands go up, simulating that a player's coming up and crowding me or taking away my shot, then I hesitate and blow by the defender. If my hands go down, simulating that the defender's backing up or enough space, then you shoot. I mean, it's a simple decision making, but 
it's something that's not repped in in high school practices and even college practices. And so, um, yeah, decision making decision making is it. If if you could, if I could do anything and talk to high school coaches, it's you have to make every drill, just like Coach Oliver said, is is make it decision making element because that's ultimately what the game comes down to is decision making. <laughs> Yeah, he believes that, and, I, and I, I, I'm inclined to agree with him. Most turnovers are not technique or any lack of technique. It's dis- decisions. Right. It's not a lack of skill, but I do I, classify decision-making into a skill in itself, you know, because there are guys that are yes. great ball handlers in drills and just incredible with the ball, and they can keep it back and protect it. But then it's like, okay, now let's put it a live defender and let's put another defender and say, okay, now if this guy helps, you have to kick it out here to this to this lift. And for whatever reason, it's like they mishandle the ball, and it's and it's not a skill, as as opposed to being able to handle the ball. It's the thinking process that that comes along with that, and that's again I classify that as a skill because there are some players who just I think we call you know Larry Bird they just call it having that feel, being able to anticipate, you know, having that feel, and that's what decision making is is just that feel and being able to anticipate and make quick decisions. James Harden, you know, recently came out with a video and he said. That's the biggest thing is you have the best players in the world can make decisions quicker than everybody else. It's kind of like that limit, that limitless pill, you know, on the movie. But they, they're just yeah. the, the best players in the world, the Chris Pauls, the James Harden, the Kevin, they can just make quicker decisions. They can make them really quick. And that's, you know, ultimately that comes down to obviously, you know, genetics and some things play a key factor. But are those things being, you know, repped and drilled daily? That's where you can you can yeah and I think go yeah. ahead coach you can yeah. really see a player make a drastic improvement when you start doing decision it's it's amazing like you you can see it almost you know a month in of doing those drills and you can see it translate to gameplay they're knowing when to pass and when to drive and when to shoot absolutely and I want to get and, and um, only got a couple minutes left but I. I want to get some of your um, – I know I, ha- a lot, I have a lot of Drew stuff, and I love Drew Hanlon. I think our next our next, pod, our next segment, I uh, definitely want you to give me your feedback on Drew um, and all the great things that he's doing. But, hey, I want to get uh, – I, I have a player that I think could play at the Division One level. She's unbelievable. She's a sophomore kid. I would love to bring her to Arkansas to have you train her, but I can't do that right now. But – um, I want to send you some video and give me some feedback on her. Are you willing to do oh, that for absolutely. me and help me out? Absolutely. Uh, of course, I know you're a busy man. You're 24-7 hoops. I know that. Um, but uh, she's she's very talented. Um, but one thing I did with her um, is I – for example, in a workout, I do a lot of random shooting, which I means um, if I pass her the ball in a drill – um, I say, hey, all right, now, hey, you got to go somewhere, one dribble, two dribble. Um, let's create, let's let's do something, do a different shot every time. So I'm kind of kind of facilitating the workout, not really telling her what to do. She's making decisions. What do you think about that? I think it's good. When it comes down to, like, you know, uh, she's a guard, obviously, I'm guessing. <clears throat> yeah, she well, she plays everything for us. She can play guard inside. Um, but uh, she's pretty much an all-round player, mostly a guard. Division one, so at the next level, probably a point or a two. I would think so. Absolutely, so, yeah. Again, if I had her, you know, we'd we'd start off with a form shooting routine, and all my players know the the form shooting routine. It's usually 
you know, a lot of form shots around the basket. I do kind of a Ray Allen drill where I'm making, you know, five in a row from five spots, progressively moving back, obviously starting very close to the rim. Um, and then we'll go, you know, kind of a couple steps inside the free throw line and probably make 25, just again, form shots. And I had the two hands. I don't like having a hand behind the back. I just, you know, have the, having the shooting hand, shooting and the other hand just kind of resting by your side is fine. I don't like the back. I think it creates kind of a bad habit, but, um, then we'll go, you know, five from five spots in the mid range. So we'll do like pound lifts. We may add some footwork to it, uh, depending on what that player needs. Sometimes it's just a guy that can flat out shoot it and he may just stick with the catch and shoot, uh, but it's five from five in the mid range. And then we usually go, um, you know, just five from five catch and shoot. Sometimes we do both. Then we usually go seven spots, make three in a row from three, um, do a little bit of finishing work, and then we lock in on, you know, one or two topics. So after that, you know, and usually that shooting routine takes about, you know, 10 minutes. Uh, if you're not as good a shooter, it may take a little bit longer, but kids get used to it and they start to make to make shots. Uh, but it depends on exactly what we're working on. So if we were working on, you know, mid-range separation moves into a shot, then obviously we would just talk about, you know, those different, options and again maybe we're working on pullbacks you know maybe we're working on we drive and we pull back and showing her the different footwork and the different options off of the pullback get her really comfortable with those um and then you know that's that's going to be 20 to 25 minutes of just that you know over and over again from both sides with both hands and then I always get game shots at the end and that's where you're probably talking about is you can be as creative as you want. I usually try to do what they do in games as much as I can, but it may be, you know, it may be off the dribble. You know, I like to call them 90 second progressions. And so let's just say we're on the, again, the right wing and let's say, okay, let's, you have a really good defender. We're going to take it right. That's the one dribble. We're going to change direction with the second dribble. And then we're going to, you know, dribble away and separate with three dribbles. And then we may say, okay, now we're going to, take two dribbles you know we have three dribbles now we're going to go you know two dribbles where we drive it right we hit a same foot stop or you know a little mini step back and we hit that shot now we're going to go just a one dribble you know pull up and then now we're going to catch and shoot so we went three dribbles two dribbles one dribble that to catch and shoot and we would just rep that over and over again for 90 seconds both sides and say hey you got to get you got to get 17 right here you know or whatever but I try to get at least 15 minutes in each workout of just game shots um, where there's a time and score and they're trying to be, you know, compete against the score they got last time or the record of an NBA or WNBA player, uh, you know, hey, Candace Parker's, you know, she gets 19 on this. You know, what can you get? Um, but anytime you can do those type things, you know, in your shooting drills, that's how usually the workouts, you know, go with, with me, depending on the topic. Obviously, if it's triple threat reads or if it's coming off pin downs or ball screens or whatever, but it's, it's usually 10 minutes of form shooting, maybe five minutes of finishing, you know, contested, and then 20, 25 minutes of the topic, and then 15 minutes of game shooting, um, game shots, you know, game speed, trying to make it competitive. That's how my workout. Yeah. That's great. John, thank you so much, man. I, and I'm looking forward to our next podcast. Um, I'm going to add, I'm going to add quite a few more questions for you. I, I love, I love uh, kind of picking your brain. You, get, you gave our coaches a lot of great information. I sure appreciate it. 
Um, how can how can our coaches get a hold of? What's the best way to get a hold of? I know I know how to get a hold of you, but how, how can the coaches get a hold of? Well, you can you can email me at jbeck at puresweatbasketball dot com, and then my Twitter handle is at coach beck at coach john beck. I'm sorry, and um, I don't have Instagram. I've had a few parents reach out to me and say they're you know they want me to create some an Instagram account and share with their kids and all that but uh haven't done that yet but um with twitter or, or email is the best is the best way to, to reach out to me and coach man you know i want you, i want to thank you too because you, again like you talked started off talking about you're helping spread the game you know and there's nothing that's why i don't ever turn a podcast or a basketball opportunity down just because i know it's going to help somebody and we all have to be helped and and um you hit the nail on the head too with constantly try to improve, you know, and I, I'm, I'm the same way. I constantly trying to listen to and watch and, and pick up details because I, you know, that the best coaches steal things and that's what, that's what we do. So I really look forward to, to talking on, on the podcast next time. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And yeah, it's all about a growth mindset, right, John? Just trying to get better all the time. Um, hey, and also I'll, I'm going to talk to you later about uh, I do clinics every year out here, and I I want to get John Beck out to our clinic. We um I would love to bring you out. We got a great place out for you to stay, man. You can run some great clinics out here in the uh, Lake Oconee, man. You love the area out here. I would love to do that. John, thank you so much, man, and have a great day. And I uh, wish you the best. You too, thank, you. thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Championship Productions. Championship Productions, the world's number one source for quality basketball instruction, has over 1,200 videos to help you improve your craft and win more games. Learn new drills, plays, and offensive defensive systems from America's top coaches, including Coach K, Greg Popovich, Gino Ariema, John Calipari, Tom Izzo, Bob Knight, Jay Wright, and many more. To purchase insert video title, visit www.championshipproductions.com or call 1-800-873-2730. This video is available via, via DVD or instant video where you can view the video on your favorite device. Be sure to download the app so you can favorite your chapters for easy playback. Championship Productions. Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado from ChampionshipVision.org. Hey, I want to tell a little bit about my website. <clears throat> I know you've already listened to my podcast, and hopefully you're getting a lot of good information from the interviews and the video reviews that I'm doing. But I would love to have you come visit um, my website at ChampionshipVision.org. Uh, here are some of the things that you're going to be you're going to see on the website. Um, I got some information on our Legends on the Lake basketball coaching clinic. I got some videos from from the past on um, some of the, the um, clinicians that we've had at my clinic. Um, I got some Lady Titan basketball traditions, things that we do here at Lake Oconee Academy. I got some great free resources for you. Um, I got my <clears throat> store that where you can buy some excellent products. And, for example, you can buy a five-year um, goal-setting program for your team, for your program. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, championship production site. I got a pivotal basketball information site. 
And also you can download some of my championship vision podcasts. Uh, if you contact me at for title K 57 at gmail.com, uh, I will send you a free resource from my website. So please contact me at Furtado K57 at gmail.com and uh, I'll give you a free resource from my website. Please go to championshipvision.org and uh, hope you enjoy. I hope you become a better coach and um, learn more and grow. Thank you. The five players on the floor function as one single unit. Team, 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 right? No one more important than the other. 